I grew up in the church, and every time the doors were open, we were there. And Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if they had something going on, we were there. And uh, if somebody died, uh, it didn't matter if they were within 50 miles, we were at the funeral, you know, it's one of those kind of things. So after a while, you got to know who the prayers were. And, and you know, those of you who grew up in the church know what I'm talking about. You knew the ones that prayed for a long time and those that didn't. Now, as a, as a teenager, I, I loved seeing the people who prayed for a long time get up because I could get a good nap in. <laughs> now we read this story today. It's only six verses long. But it's such a profound story. It is so deep. It has so many messages for us. And you look at the, the first guy who gets up. He's a Pharisee. That's the strict sect of the Jews. The Jews had a number of sects uh, among them, uh, Sadducees, you remember the Sadducees, they didn't believe in angels or life after death or anything like that. In fact, if you remember, they're the ones who asked Jesus, okay, if a guy marries somebody and, and he dies and his brother marries her and he dies and his other brother marries her and he dies, and he, they finally get to the end and they say, who, who will she be, you know, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Well, the Pharisees were the strictest sect of the Jews. They were the ones who believed in life after death. They believed in angels. They believed in those kind of things. But they were the ones that seemed to trail Jesus more than the others and give him grief all the time. They were the ones who, who thought that they were righteous. And I talk about this all the time. There's a big difference between rightness and righteousness. These were the legalists. They were the ones that were there all the time. Them and the teachers of the law or the scribes. Then you've got the tax collector. King James Version calls them publicans. Uh, the tax collectors. Just the very term tax collector makes me not like him, you know? Um, He's, he's a tax collector, and here's what they did. Matthew, by the way, was one of Jesus' apostles, was a tax collector. And <clears throat> they worked for the Roman government. <clears throat> Jesus had an apostle that was a zealot who was for the violent overthrow of the, of the Roman government. You've got Matthew and Simon, the zealot, you know, together in this same group of apostles. You can imagine, oh, no, 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 don't sit there. Why don't you sit over here, you know? Uh, and, and, and Matthew was one of these tax collectors. And the way the tax collectors, and they were, by the way, often wealthy people. The reason why they were wealthy is because they collected money and then some. They were known as charlatans. They were known as those who continued to tax and tax and tax and get as much out of you as they could. And then they would keep it for themselves. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and he was a very wealthy man. Well, this chapter starts with a parable, and I think this is interesting, about they should, how they should always pray and never give up, chapter 18. And then he tells the story of the, the unjust judge, or as, as my Bible says, and your Bible probably says, the, the persistent widow. Well, I would like us at this time, 
to take a minute, just a minute, and just pray. I want you to pray. This is not a manipulative thing. I want you to just pray. And you can pray for whatever you want. Just take one minute and pray. Let's do that right now. How'd you do? How was your prayer? Was it self-serving? Or arrogant? Proud? Or was it humble and contrite? You see, this parable is for all of us. And by the way, remember that it is a parable. A lot of times Jesus' stories were so... uh, so real that they seem like they really happened and and it may have happened but it's still a parable and notice what it says at the very beginning of this passage it says to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else jesus told this parable And before you think, well, this prayer is a little too much. You know, did anybody really, really kind of say this kind of prayer? Well, there's a prayer that's recorded in the Talmud in about 70 AD. Talmud is commonly refers to a a compilation of ancient teachings of the Jewish nation. And it's considered normative by the Jews And here it was, it was written by, and I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing his name and some of the words in this, Rabbi Nethanyu ben Hakana. Here was his prayer that was recorded in 70 AD. I give give thanks to thee, O Lord, my God, that thou hast set my portion with those who sit in Beth HaMidrash, and thou hast not set my portion with those who who sit in street corners. For I rise early, and they rise early. But I rise early for words of Torah, and they rise early for frivolous talk. I labor, and they labor. But I labor and receive a reward, and they labor and don't receive a reward. I run, and they run. But I run to the life of the future world, and they run to the pit of destruction." Doesn't that make you want to convert? (laughs) Well, here we are in Luke chapter 18. I appreciate Rob's reading. I'm going to read this from the Kingdom New Testament. 
starts in verse 9 of chapter 18. He told this next parable against those who trusted in their own righteousness or righteous standing and despised others. Two men, he said, went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed in this way to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unjust, immoral, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector stood a long way off, didn't even want to raise his eyes to heaven. And he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Let me tell you, he was the one who went back to his house vindicated by God, not the other. Don't you see, people who exalt themselves will be humbled, and people who humble themselves will be exalted. Both of these guys ask God for an answer. And I, I find it interesting in, in this. It says, two men go up to the temple, and the Pharisee stood and prayed in this way to himself. He's not really praying to God. He's really saying, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. And these two guys are asking God for an answer. And you say, well, Jim, you just said he's praying to himself. He kind of is. But it says, the Pharisee, he asked God to affirm him. He's wanting God to assure him that he's on the right track, that he is surely good, and that God really needs him. It's kind of like that God and me, we make a majority. Have you ever heard that? I think that's an interesting statement. God and me make a majority, but I got news for you. God was a majority far before I came along. And, and we think that sometimes when we say that, that, that you know, God and Satan, we're, we're kind of on this scale and we're barely making it. But boy, I, I choose God and whoo, there goes the scale in favor of God. God's majority happened a long time before I came along. And Jesus addressed that in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, he says, I want you to not pray like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received in full their reward. There is the Pharisee's answer. He says, you know what? You don't, your reward is, is the praise and the glory and all of that kind of stuff that you get from people who see how righteous you are standing on the street corner. Well, the tax collector asked God for a different answer. He just asked God for forgiveness because he knew that he was helpless. You remember what he said? God be merciful to me, a sinner. Paul, he sounded the same kind of message when he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. The answer for the tax collector, the Bible says he went home justified. The Good News New Testament says he went home vindicated. So what does this parable teach us? 
Let me give you three things. First of all, this parable teaches us that prayer should be important to us. Isn't that a glib statement? Well, Jim, we all know that prayer should be important to us. Yeah, I know. We're also told to love one another. And that seems like a glib statement, doesn't it? Yeah, of course, we're supposed to love one another. We do the same kind of thing with prayer, don't we? Oh, yeah, we know that prayer is important. Some of you may have even said during this minute of prayer, 15 seconds have gone by. Prayer is important. It's mentioned all throughout Scripture. Jesus had an active prayer life of all people that you would think wouldn't necessarily need to have a prayer life. Jesus had an unbelievable prayer life. He would go early and go up into the mountains and pray. He would go off by himself and pray. In fact, he had such a prayer life that his disciples came to him and said, can you teach us to pray? There had to have been something about Jesus' prayer life that was winsome, that was attractive to them. And as they, they see Jesus praying, they want a prayer life like that. Before he died, what did he do? He prayed. He went into the garden and he prayed. It was part of his life. It was who he was. And in fact, there was something so beguiling, as, as we just said, that he said, here's how you pray. James tells us, he says, what I want you to do is understand that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Paul says, I want you to pray continually or pray without ceasing. We've talked a little bit about this before. What does he mean, pray without ceasing? I can't go around with my head bowed all the time. We, you don't have to have your head bowed and your eyes closed to pray. Always use this illustration. You remember the movies where, you know, they're, they're in this battle and they're firing at each other with their guns and, and one guy, uh, the, the head of the, the army or the, the group that's, that's firing into one another, he says, fire without ceasing. Well, at some point they got to stop and reload and that kind of stuff. But what he's saying is don't ever stop firing your guns. When Paul says pray without ceasing, he's saying don't ever stop praying. You just keep praying. When good things are happening, you pray. When bad things are happening, you pray. When you need assistance, you pray. Prayer should be important to us. And if prayer is such a powerful resource, why do we ignore it so much? But number two, <clears throat> The world has it all wrong. We say blessed are the wealthy and the powerful and the, and the, the wealthy and the, the ones who are the leaders. We, we love those kind of people, the ones that are CEOs, the ones that have the corner office. Jesus said this. He said, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Time after time after time after time in Scripture, it seems that Jesus has things upside down. 
He says, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. He says the opposite of what we think would be true. And here he says, if you want to, if you want to be exalted, you need to humble yourselves. Peter even said, humble yourselves before him and God will lift you up. James says the exact same thing. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment and according to the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Now, I know there are times when we want to just shake our fist at God because things aren't going that way, but what we don't understand is sometimes... Sometimes that's the way life goes. But God is always there. But in the end, we come to him in humility, knowing that he is the creator of the universe and the sender of all, of all good blessings. And it's then that we bow down in humble obedience, knowing that he knows all things. But thirdly, don't base your life on comparisons. I want to tell you something. First of all, it's easy to find somebody who's not as good as you. And you know what? The Pharisees, the people that were around the Pharisees here, were impressed by his piety and his righteousness. And those who were around him thought he was worthy. You can always find somebody who's worse than you. Always. But in the end, it was the tax collector. And I, I like the word that they use here. He was vindicated. He was vindicated. In Galatians chapter 6, we have some good words for, this, for us regarding this. He talked about those who are caught in a sin and how those who are spiritual should gently restore him. And then he says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions and then, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. I know some in some families grew up with brothers and sisters that everybody, the, the parents, would say, why aren't you more like your brother or sister? I want to tell you something. God will never do that to you. God will never say, you know what, why don't you be like, if, if he's going to, to say that, you know what he's going to say? If you want to compare yourself to someone, don't compare yourself to anybody else in the world. You compare yourself to Jesus. Then all things will come into perspective. Then all things will say, oh, yeah, okay, I get it now. And so what I want us to do, and, and I know you, you're going to think I'm crazy. That's okay, I am. I want us to pray again. I want us to pray again, realizing, thinking about this. That don't base your life on comparisons. Realize that when, when you humble yourself, that you'll be lifted up. Realize that prayer is important to us. 
I want you to take this same minute and pray again. Let's pray. Doesn't it seem a little interesting that God says, I want you to be like a tax collector. I want you to be humble. I want you to understand your condition. And I want you to lean on me. That's our prayer for today. If you need to respond to the invitation, our shepherds will be in the back. Their wives will be with them. Talk to them. If you want to respond in any way to the songs, to the invitation that we have selected, the song has been selected. And I ask you, would you come as we stand and sing this song? <clears throat>